concepts like development and cooperation mean anything to you, you know those big words a little cloudy that hover somewhere between politics and humanitarianism. Well, at Supernova, we are an NGO, and development is the core of our work, it's our passion. So we'd love to take you on board and offer you an original approach that's true to who we are by inviting to our mic the privileged players and witnesses of a dynamic, ambitious and accessible world of development. Welcome to Voices of Development, a podcast created and produced by Supernova. Dear listeners, thank you very much for joining us today for a new episode of Voices of Development. I am Barkyu at Innovation Garden, meeting Najla and Pierre. Innovation Garden is one of the incubators financially and technically supported by Supernova through the EU-funded project called Libya Startup, co-implemented with Spark. This episode is full of good vibe and energy. If you want to take a lesson on how to sell your story or how to overcome difficulties and criticism to launch your business, you are listening to the right episode. My name is Salome Ponsalouet and I'll be your host. Before going deeper into our conversation, could you please introduce yourself, name, age, gender, occupation? Go ahead. Hi, thank you so much for inviting us. I'm so excited for this podcast. My name is Najan Msaleti. I'm originally from Benghazi. Right now, we're based in Tripoli, where we're making this uh, podcast right now, and where our, our incubator is located. Uh, I'm 32 years old, but I feel like 25, so that's a good... <laughs> My name is Pierre, and I'm, um, I'm uh, here right now in Libya. I'm happy to be there, co-founder of Supernova. Uh, I'm much older than Nezra, about 40 years old, and thank you for the invitation. So we're going to discuss entrepreneurship today, but I would like to understand a bit your path that brought you here. Have you always been working in this field? Did you experience entrepreneurship yourself? And in 2018, I decided that it's time for me to start my own uh, nonprofit or social enterprise, and I launched She Codes. Uh, she Codes is a social enterprise that focuses on empowering women and kids by teaching them how to code and about technology. And then it had she codes from 2018 until now. Uh, and recently I've joined Tadawal Financial Group and uh, I did what I do always, start a project from A to Z. And uh, I started um, a unit called Venture Hub. It's all about entrepreneurship. So we have the crowdfunding and also we have uh, the VC fund, the venture capital fund owned by Tadawal where they have investment. And our role is to find startups, small startups at early stage to invest in. And what we do is just, we don't just hand money, but also we enroll them in our accelerators, which brings me to the third project, mm-hmm. Innovation Garden, which is in partnership with Supernova and Spark. Um, it's funded by the EU. Nice, nice. And you, Pierre? I might be shorter, I think. Um, so now I, I will tell you one story. Uh, why, why I decided to go into this entrepreneurship things uh, in my life. Uh, so it's a long time ago. It's back in 2006. In 2006, for some reason, I decided to move to the USA. So it was not because of the American dream. It was not because I wanted to be in the US. I was just chasing love. Basically, I had a girlfriend in New York. So I took a flight. I went to New York. I arrived in New York, and after two weeks, I spent most of my savings. I had no more money. So basically, I, I had to look for a job. And what I decided, for some reason, is to be a real estate agent. So I woke up one morning, and I thought, let's be a real estate agent. I started to call real estate agency in New York, saying, OK, I want to be a real estate agent. The question I got were always the same. Uh, do you have a permit to work in the USA? Do you know anything about real estate? I no, I have no idea. And then the guys were closing the door. One day, I see an article about a French lady who created a real estate agency in New York. So I had to pick up my phone, 
I call. I went through the reception and they said, okay, who are you? What do you want to do? I said, please put me forward Marie Claude. You know Marie Claude? Yeah, of course I know Marie Claude. Put me through Marie Claude. Marie Claude was the owner of the real estate agency. Say, who are you? I'm Pierre. But what do you want? I want to be a real estate agent. Say, okay, come to my office. I went to our office the next day. I put my best tuxedo, of course, to be there. And I met Marie Claude. And Marie Claude was a, like 45 years old lady at this time. And she told me, Pierre, so why, why are you in New York? I said, well, because I have a girlfriend. And what do you want to do real estate? I have no clue. <laughs> and, and she laughed and she told me, Pierre, you know, me, I left France because I was very sad because of uh, the horrible love story I had. So I escaped France to come to New York. And when I came to New York, my goal was to create an art gallery. But I didn't succeed. But I found it very difficult to, to find a flat in New York with, with low incomes. So I created from scratch this real estate agency. So I was listening to this lady, short lady, 45, don't speak a very good English. We created from scratch a business going to a 50, 60 people businesses. And I thought, wow, this lady, she's amazing. Our life story is better than most of the novels I read in my life. I want to be like her. And she told me at the end of the meeting, I said, okay, Pierre, what do you want to do? I said, I want to be you. And she said, okay, so you want to be a real estate agent? I said, yes, try me, two weeks. If I suck, you kick me out, otherwise you keep me. And I spent two years with her. And during the two years, she told me all the story about the business, how she launched it, like she was my mum, basically. And after two years, I left, and it took me three or four years before I launched my first business. But the first time in my life, I thought, okay, I want to be an entrepreneur. It was thanks to this lady, Marie-Claude, from New York, who left France because she was very sad because of a love story. So that's how I got this idea of being an entrepreneur because of the story I love and I wanted my, my life to be a good story as well. Thank you, Pierre, for sharing this um, and Najla as well. Um, so as of today, like Libya is facing critical challenges of development at the economic level uh, and at the human level uh, with high disparities between regions and genders uh, without even speaking about the political or security instability. Why have you both chosen to open the doors of entrepreneurship to young people to answer these challenges? What makes entrepreneurship an entry point for economic revitalization and what are the limits to this approach? As you probably know, Libya is heavily depending on oil uh, production, which is not very good for the environment, but also it's declining, declining. And whenever we have severe conflict, usually they stop the oil production and even close oil fields, uh, which affects the economy in Libya heavily. There is no other way for Libya to survive in the coming years if they don't focus on the private sector and, and start diversing the economy in Libya. And that's why we believe that we have to have more entrepreneurs in Libya and we have to have more successful startups and we have to be more of a producing country than just consumers and uh, importing everything from abroad and just relying on the savings of the uh, oil money basically. Um, I just want to, to pick up the word challenges that you, you mm -hmm. mentioned because um, so I've been working in Libya for four years now so it's, it's becoming a very long love story again so we also talk challenges it's difficult to launch business in Libya it's a, actually after four years I think it's, uh, it's one of the best countries to launch a business I got the chance to work in many countries uh, in Western countries in North Africa countries Middle East but Libya, you have a combination of factors which are very interesting if you want to launch a business. Now, of course, if you want to launch um, a deep tech business, it's difficult because you're lacking the coding skills and you're lacking the innovation money that is very um, uh, not common, but you have a lot in Europe, for instance. But if you want to launch a simple business to, to do e-commerce website, for example, so e-commerce is the largest industry in the world. Of course, you have Amazon, Alibaba, who are the biggest players, but you have millions of little e-commerce websites all around the world and they, they generate a lot of incomes. 
In Libya, you have something which is quite amazing. Uh, you have an access to market which is very cheap. So it means that basically, if I want to sell the t-shirt I'm wearing now, uh, it will be very cheap to sell it. The marketing cost will be low. So what we call client acquisition cost will be very low. Uh, and people have high incomes comparing to, to that. So the combination of people who have high incomes and access to market which is cheap, I never saw it anywhere else than in Libya. If you look at people, uh, countries with high incomes like USA, Europe, the marketing costs are huge. That's the main cost for many e-commerce businesses is to spend money on marketing. So I, I don't like to use this word of challenges and, and it's not stable in Libya and, and so on and so on because actually I think it's a good place to launch a business. Mm. But then like concretely, when you're a young Libyan man or woman and uh, with the ideas to launch a business, how does it work? You know, what are the actors you can you can work with? Who can help you? Is it common for people to be entrepreneurs and is it well perceived to be an entrepreneur? I think it's uh, for every country. There's our challenges and uh, opportunities as well. Mm -hmm. Libya is a good place to start companies and start uh, businesses, especially to test before you launch if you want to go globally. There's a lot, a lot of Uh, untouched areas that you can uh, start your startup in or mm -hmm. uh, start from our education system to our healthcare food services there's a lot of things that you can do and there's a huge potential for success in Libya it's a family oriented uh, country and culture and there's always a support that you can find from your uncle from your parents from your friends Um, in terms of financial support that they can give you donation to start and they they are your angel investor even if they don't know it or not even having the term very uh, familiar here in Libya but for example when I started Cheat Codes I had a, a little bit from uh, my savings and uh, my family obviously they helped a little bit here and there for me to launch the first bootcamp nice. and there's also always people who believes in you and believes in your mission so when I first started Cheat Codes uh, my, my previous CEO at Tatwir he uh, offered that he would um, through Tatwir obviously they would support all of my marketing material mm -hmm. and also they hosted me for the first bootcamp mm -hmm. and then right after that I've had my friend Aya she's been a great support she had a, a training center and she just gave me an office for free she said I believe in what you do and I really believe that you would have a really nice entrepreneurship uh, experience so she literally gave me an office for me and my team but also she gave me a classroom where I I hosted all of my training there at Vision so there's always someone from your family or from your friends or from even your working uh, network and another thing you mentioned is uh, What are the challenges? So there's a lot of challenges. And I worked at the US as well, and I worked with the veterans, entrepreneurs, and through my research, I've noticed that we, ha we all have the same access to finance mm -hmm. challenge. It's not very easy to go to a bank and ask for a loan or uh, to find invest investors. Mm -hmm. There's a huge gap be between investors and entrepreneurs. The, so you would have this brilliant idea, and you would start with the help of your from your family and friends and even your uh, Uh, colleagues but then you would hit a limit where you really need a big investor to kind of take you to the next step and there is this, uh, this gap I mean if you're not very well connected and you know the right people mm -hmm. they would um, then you would you're just meant to be there so I think and this is my personal um, opinion in Libya no matter no matter how hard you try or uh, how hard you work there is always um, a limit that you cannot go above it mm -hmm. and I I hear I'm hearing myself saying this and I'm shocked because I'm mm -hmm. always the person who would say sky is the limit and this is why I'm very passionate about Venture Hub because we're trying to uh, kind of bridge that gap and trying to have people to um, break through that barrier that we we have seen as entrepreneurs you know 
like what's the maximum you can generate if your family is not very wealthy and can invest in a large amount it's just going to be always a, a small enterprise or um, a very limited uh, success in my opinion Yes, so, so I think the reason that people feel the limits, uh, as you mentioned, Neja, is, is because there's not much spaces like uh, Innovation Garden. Uh, when you launch a business, basically you feel very lonely because you're alone with yourself. You have to go from a product, an idea to a product and to get clients. But to get clients when you're nobody, wh when you're alone, is very, very difficult. So the, the effort you have to provide to go from this idea to product is very difficult. And if you have nobody around you who has the same experience as you, who is facing the same thing, it's extremely difficult because you don't know what to do sometimes. You're just mm -hmm. lost. So of course you can go on YouTube and, and listen to all those bullshit tutorials you can find on YouTube, but it's totally useless. Mm -hmm. As soon as you get spaces like Innovation Garden, you're going to meet with likewise people. So for example, you have a guy here sitting down, he's going to struggle with some financial forecast. The problem is the guy next to him had the same uh, issue two months ago. So he will just share with him his experience. And, and that's, that's the main difficulties in Libya, that there's no real ecosystem, entrepreneurship ecosystems. If you go, okay, Neja mentioned USA, which is the largest country for entrepreneurship, but most of the countries, you always have a friend who has a friend who's an entrepreneur. Me as a French, I have many friends who are entrepreneurs, so I can call them anytime, tell them, okay, you raise money, or did you do it, can you share your experience with me? So I can, in two, pin, in two minutes, share my pain with 20 people, so even more. So, that's that makes a big difference, and, and the fact that if you don't feel that lonely and you don't feel that what you're facing is only you, because you're not unique as an entrepreneur. There's millions of people doing the same thing as you exactly at the same time and the same ideas. In Libya, you can feel lonely because you are in uh, I don't know you're in Garyan or in, even in Tripoli. You're alone. You have no friends you can share with you or any kind of empathy, and, and you feel lost. And every time you're going to face a new challenge, you're going to give up because you don't know what what, what, what to do. So, so that's for me one of the difficulties uh, of Libya. Uh, of course, you have huge opportunities to launch businesses because of what you mentioned before, but the loneliness uh, can, be, can be painful, it can be a, a cause of failure. And the last thing is, um, when you're in a country where nobody in your family is an entrepreneur or, or friends and so on, you don't get the same support. Mm -hmm. the, the, the capacity to fail is not, is not accepted the same way in Libya than it could be in USA. In USA, you fail, nobody cares. It's just part of your process to learn about yourself as, as a person. So it's, it's even a good thing. In Libya, the, the process of failing is not really something that people uh, really enjoy. And, and that makes it difficult because when you launch a business, I will say the statistics about 90, 95% of the businesses are failing. So you want to launch a business, you're going to fail statistically. It's, it's that, that's the reality. So um, that's why here where Innovation Garden is great, but you need much more spaces like that. So you go next door and you find people to talk to. What were your inspirations when you elaborated the incubation program of Innovation Garden? Like, I mean, there are tons and tons of incubation programs around the world. Is there specific players in the field that were a source for you? So I have no specific inspirations, uh, honestly, because there are thousands of accelerations, incubation programs in the world. And basically, when you look at it outside, it's all the same, okay? Mm -hmm. We provide the same exactly content. Um, so, so there were no specific inspiration about that. What is very difficult in this kind of program is to find the right people. So basically, entrepreneurs should manage entrepreneurs and take the lead. Mm -hmm. And that's actually one more issue in Libya, is many people who are involved in entrepreneurship, they know nothing about entrepreneurship because they've never been entrepreneurs. So the inspiration first was to find people who have this kind of business and entrepreneurship mindset. So we, we have Nejla and Tadaul Group is a very business-oriented uh, company. So that's it was not an inspiration, it was, it was a need. We needed to find the right people. Uh, I've been working in Libya for four years and it's difficult to find this specific kind of mindset. Basically, you just said that uh, when you're a young uh, person wanting to uh, launch a business and uh, 
that uh, then you're looking for funds and, and, and uh, investors, it's, it's a bit difficult. Uh, what would be the next steps to facilitate young people's access to, to investments? I think what we're doing right now is really helping uh, with, and especially what Supernova is doing with the access to finance workshops here and there, and we're trying to spread the awareness about all the resources available in Libya. So all of these terms and concepts are uh, not very popular in Libya, and this is what we're trying to do, and I think we're going to the in, in the right uh, track, seeing like what Pina is doing, what Supernova is doing, what Tatwir is doing, and what obviously Tadawul Financial is doing. I think we're uh, all coming together and building this ecosystem that um, young entrepreneurs really need. Pierre said, and when he said uh, entrepreneurship can be very lonely, I can relate 100%. When I started She Codes, uh, I've cried many times just feeling like I'm a big failure and I'm, I, I have no idea what I'm doing. And then you also, um, as an entrepreneur, you experience the uh, ambassador symptoms, but basically you feel like you have no business doing what you're doing and who do you think you are, like thinking that you can start your own business. Uh, luckily, when I started my entrepreneurship entrepreneurship journey, I met uh, Malik, and uh, I remember I was almost about to give up the first pitch of She Codes ever, and I remember him saying, like, you cannot be selfish and you cannot think about just yourself and your image. You should just think about the impact and change that you're trying to uh, make in Libya and all these women you're trying to help and the kids, and then you'll be able to pitch your idea in the proper way, and I did that. Whenever I feel frustrated or whenever I feel like I'm a failure or... Um, I should just quit. I would contact my entrepreneurs' friends and tell them, like, do you feel the same? And and there's something about knowing that you're not suffering alone and yeah. everybody goes through these things to feel like, okay, then I'm not doing something wrong. Then mm -hmm. this is the normal life for entrepreneurs, that you're always broke, that you're always frustrated, <laughs> and you're always overworked. Uh, and you and you always feel like you're not doing enough. But at the end of the day, you, you take a time to reflect and look back and you see, like, you know what? Good for me. I've done all of these things and I should give myself more credit. And that gives you uh, more confidence that you know what I can take it to the next step now I feel confident enough to to speak to an investor to turn it into for-profit uh, business to maybe scale to a different city you know and all of these things would not happen if we don't have a network and if we just stay isolated training session to young uh, women entrepreneurs with the Waha Center and one of the ladies she have a kitchen um, lab for five years now and she said in the first three months she's done nothing but to cry and wanting to shut the uh, kitchen down but her mom was a big support and she kept pushing her and now she said I'm looking back back at these three months and I just I'm so happy that I did not quit after five years now she's scaled up to have even a bigger uh, kitchen lab um, so my point here is just um, you would see that everybody's seeing the desperate need for entrepreneurship in Libya and the boost of private sector mm -hmm. and that something was not happening before the revolution. I, I, I never thought I would be a, um, an entrepreneur or thinking that I want the stress of uh, mm -hmm. managing my own thing or even being manager. 
But when I start working with Tatweer, it's kind of like I saw it's this is the need now and this is what I'm good at. And uh, as I told you, after the revolution, there's a lot of um, opportunities that were available before uh, revolution with the government sector and it's kind of disappeared now. So honestly, we don't even have the choice. Like it's not a matter of a choice. Like why did you choose to do this? There's no other options, you know. It's either you flee the country or you stay and you start something and you try to create your own bubble and your own um, uh, ecosystem. So what I find interesting, because of course entrepreneurship is about business, but business is an excuse. It's an excuse to find who you are, basically. So if you listen to Neja, she launched her business, she struggles, she cries, but don't give up and keep going on and going on and going on. So basically, what this kind of entrepreneurship mindset is, is a good excuse to go to the next step of who you are. I mean, all of us, we're a bit lost in life. We don't know where we go, who we are. And, and, and this kind of question are, are obvious for everybody. When you have entrepreneurs, you keep experimenting. So you're going from experiences to experiences. And by doing that, you slowly know a bit better who you are. And that is very important because you're creating a better version of yourself every day, every day, every day, every day. And that's for me, uh, it's not something you see with KPIs or, or, or numbers because it's not business. But for me, it's much more important than the business itself. Because if you create a community of people uh, like Neja or all the young entrepreneurs like we mentioned who are getting better people, uh, more open to changes, to innovate, they will have an impact on the community and society. Uh, I don't have an example of society who are making better by doing nothing and not moving and, and, and being static. And to move that, you need a specific mindset. And the entrepreneurship mindset has this huge capacity to help you to know who you are and to improve yourself and to have this capacity to make changes. It's very easy to be at home and wait and make comments. It's very difficult to go out, shout, especially in Libya. Uh, or as a girl, you, you, can, you can get many comments and it's difficult. Every single day is a fight. But by doing that, through this process, you're a new person, better person, and you're becoming um, an, an inspiration for the other people. How do you personally like overcome the, the criticism? And, and uh, um, yeah, like, do you have a specific routine to protect your mental health? Like, do, how, do you, how do you do? I'm not very good at it, you know. I'm still very sensitive and still, And by time, you just develop a, a thick skin. You, you have to have this kind of like checklist. Mm. Is this comment really to me? Like, who is that person is saying this? Is this is constructive feedback? Because you don't want to be so blind to even the constructive feedback. I can relate as well. Don't worry. Um, we are almost coming to the end of this episode. What advice would you give to a young guy or young girl who'd like to embark on an entrepreneurship adventure? That you have to believe in yourself and do it, even if you fail. It's part of your journey and you're going to learn from it. So just just do it. Yeah, so my advice is not to listen to many advices um, <laughs> because um, that's something which is typical. So I remember the first time I launched my business, I went pitching to clients my stuff and I always saw those guys, oh, you should do that, you should do that. So I just say fuck off basically because that's the best answer, I think. So I think to get used to say fuck off is my advice uh, and, and, and not to listen to too many advices is my next advice. And especially to people who have never been entrepreneurs themselves, don't even listen to them. And, and that's, uh, those people are very uh, toxic. So if you've never been an entrepreneur, don't give advice about entrepreneurship. Just shut your mouth and it will be good for everybody. Thank you, Pierre. Thank you, Nedla. Um, thank you for your participation in um, this podcast.